what kind of leader do I want to be? And how can I make sure I'm as focused on the journey or the process as I am on the outcome and just being very purposeful because no one's going to manage your career for you. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Mincione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Mincione. Welcome to or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. Microsoft's Partner CMO inspires partners to unlock their greatest results in 2023. I was so excited to welcome my next guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Julie Sanford is Microsoft's Vice President for Go-To-Market Strategy and Programs for the Global Partner Solutions Organization. Julie joins us on the heels of the big Microsoft Inspire Conference to share with our listeners how they can align for success by taking advantage of all that Microsoft offers to help partners achieve their greatest results. I hope you enjoyed this amazing episode as much as I enjoyed welcoming Julie Sanford. Before we dive into the interview, I'm happy to announce that PartnerTap has become a founding sponsor of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. PartnerTap is the only partner ecosystem platform designed for the enterprise. Their technology makes it easy to align channel teams with automated account mapping, letting you control what data you share while building a partner revenue engine. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Vince. It's so good to be talking to you again. I am so excited to finally welcome you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You and I had the chance to work together at Microsoft, so I am so excited for this conversation. You're the Vice President of Go-To-Market Strategy and Programs for Microsoft's Global Partner Solutions Organization, and I can't wait for our discussion today, so welcome. Thank you so much. For our listeners, and the one or two that might not know who you are, what <laughs> is your, right? You've been around Microsoft for a long time. You got to work with a lot of great partners. What is your role and mission? could be more excited about the mission that myself and my team are on. We just recently brought together the entire go-to-market strategy organization. We work with our partners in the customer side of the business who set our product strategy and our go-to-market strategy against our solution areas. And our team has the accountability to translate that in a way that turns into growth plans for our partners. Do we have the right skilling plans? Do we have the right go-to-market investments to make sure that we're setting our partners up for success? Part one is building up the strategy around that. So we're aligned to the Microsoft go-to-market. And then the second piece that we brought together were all of the investments we make in the programs that bring that strategy to life. So the Microsoft Cloud Partner Program, we were just announcing all of our enablement and skilling initiatives. We influence all of the incentives that we put into market. And then the third component of the team is the actual go-to-market and marketing engine for our partner ecosystem. So huge space 
to cover, but couldn't be more thrilled with the talent that we have in place to, to bring this to life. That is such a big mission. I think people outside the organization may not realize what that covers. I remember being on the inside and the work around the incentives, as an example, was such a big component. And then all the programmatic, you've got programmatic, you've got engagement with individual sets of partners, groups, industry now as well, right? Yes. Super excited. That was one of the highlights for me coming out of Inspire was just the amazing focus we put on industry as a company. We did, there's a couple of sessions. We did a, a live in the focus a session where we had our industry engineering leader talking about product roadmap and Microsoft's commitment to be putting platforms in the market that essentially are there for our partner ecosystem to build and extend on top of that industry platform. And then we had Alyssa Taylor join us. So she talked from a, a company product strategy perspective. And then we had Shelly Branson also join us in that conversation who leads our retail industry sales organization. So it was just an amazing one Microsoft conversation that I was able to host with my peers. And it was just really great to see all aspects of Microsoft come together and talk about not only the momentum we're seeing with the announcements we've made, but just the enthusiasm around how central our partners are to that industry strategy. I'm glad you jumped in on the Microsoft Inspire conference. It was an amazing event for me. I was disappointed that we weren't in person yet, and some people were. It was a hybrid model. Yeah. But that session you talked about was one of the highlights for me. I just thought it was inspiring. First of all, I love the way Judson comes out and his energy that he brings into it. And then the handoff to, to each of you. And you really landed the plane. I was hoping you could spend a few more minutes on what you believe were the highlights. And that session was one of them for me. Sure. Yeah. Well, at your point on the hybrid approach, I just thought the way that the team executed the event was just amazing for us. It was the first time we, in this new post-COVID world, where we did do a hybrid approach. And it was inspiring to do the core content digitally. And that allows us to scale in a way that we've never been able to scale. And not only in the moment when it's live, but people can go and view and consume that content at their leisure post-event. But then to see around the world, every area for Microsoft hosted partners in some sort of fashion to celebrate them and celebrate their success and thank them for everything they've done for Microsoft. So that was awesome to be able to check in around the world on on where we were doing some of that in-person, again, focus on celebration. And then we also had a few areas around the world take the opportunity to turn it into a multi-day planning and kick off for our fiscal year with our partners and actually do some account planning. But from a content perspective, I talked about industry being able to announce that our way of engaging with partners is through the Microsoft Cloud Partner Program. And we made some announcements. That was another session that we had a deep dive on the new construct of the program that we're really excited about. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But the fact that we are announcing industry designations for the first time as part of our partner program was just a highlight for me. The fact that we're going to have role-based skilling, we're going to have onboarding, both technical and sales certifications for our partners to be able to extend the industry clouds, support them with new investments and things like pre-sales workshops to deliver on the industry. That was just a huge highlight for me. It warms my heart because I came from public sector. We were the first industry. Yeah, and absolutely. I have always believed that the results that you achieve utilizing the platforms of Microsoft resonate so well, the outcomes, security, all those areas. 
And to see it land now and the specificity and uniqueness about what Microsoft is bringing here to the table is just astounding. Well, yeah, it's really interesting because most, most partners go to market this way and always have. Our partner ecosystem is amazing at understanding what our customer challenges are and delivering solutions that meet those business outcomes. They have been instrumental in helping us shape and I would say accelerate our industry momentum from a product perspective. So it's just been really awesome to have so many partners participate in the public previews before these products even came to market. And our customers in the market is just the response we're getting is just fantastic. And I think back to what the pandemic has done, certainly the negative aspects of it, but the acceleration of technology and how it's changed our lives in so many ways. I think about shopping as something we've all learned to do remotely and I'm clicking all day long and the boxes are showing up on my front door. But digital health is an area. And I think about the industry investment in the healthcare cloud that Microsoft has made here as an example of how we can drive different outcomes, better outcomes, and what it can do in terms of reducing costs, driving the right results. Absolutely. And again, the partner solutions are really what brings this to life for us. The feedback that we've got on the actual product strategy is thank you for doing the baseline integration and the, and the common data models or the connectors that allow our partners to actually work on the higher value customer deliverable and just accelerate their time to market. It's not just taking and doing a lift and shift of old technology to a cloud platform. You're really evolving the utilization of the technologies and stitching it together with the common data model. Yes. So I want to dive in on the partner programs. Big announcements were made. Actually, some of these announcements were made earlier in the year, but this evolution of the partner program was a big step forward. And mm -hmm. you and Dan Rippey did an amazing job presenting all of the new components and really explaining in detail. I still believe there was ambiguity regarding what does this mean to me? And I thought you did a great job. Could you just spend a little time with us on that? First and foremost, it's fantastic to see, again, our programs aligned to how Microsoft goes to market. And that's often one of the first things when I'm engaging with partners and they ask, how can we be successful? It's, we have to do a better job. Microsoft has to do a better job of decoding our own go-to-market. And then if we can get to a aligned go-to-market, then that's where the magic happens. And so it was a natural evolution to take a program that we haven't changed in almost two decades. So it's just a massive year for us on this. But to align the program to the solution areas, which is how Microsoft goes to market, just drives so much clarity for our partners and our collective and customers. So one of our primary goals was to drive simplicity for our partners and make sure we were investing in the right ways to help build their success. We had 18 competencies, we had advanced specializations, and trying to navigate that was just putting complexity into the partner ecosystem that we didn't need to do. So being able to streamline and just focus on six solution areas with clear benefits and clear learning paths is a huge step forward. The other piece that I was excited about is we've traditionally had a program that really optimized for services partners, and they are massively important to our ecosystem, but we want to make sure we're being inclusive to all of our partners in the ecosystem. So being able to tweak the program to make sure that we've got programs for ISVs and we're going to embrace cloud solution and manage service providers, 
as well as focus on our OEM device and IoT partners is just huge for us. So it's really this way for us to engage end-to-end across all partner types in a way that the company is going to market. The other thing I would highlight on this is just putting the customer needs at the center of this program. The other feedback that we continually got from partners and customers was help us understand who your trusted partners are that we should be engaging with to deliver our outcomes, our digital transformation. And so huge investment around making sure our customers understand the program and the changes we've made so that they know they're betting on the right partners. Some important points you mentioned here, right? The program hadn't been updated in many, many years. Mm -hmm. And I had heard this before, like this whole gold and silver wasn't meaningful any longer. And I think you're trying to drive also the right behavior within the ecosystem. That's right. We're trying to simplify and, and look at three core components, really. We're looking at performance, so our revenue performance of partners. We look at, for services partners, we look at skilling and, and certifications. For ISV partners, we'll look at technical assessments, and that's that will be core of our industry strategy. And then finally, the third kind of component of earning the designations is just proven customer success. And so I think it's a very forward way for us to collectively engage and say, yeah, those three areas are really what differentiates great partners and customers can understand that and then they can engage with trusted partners against that. Again, simplification at every element that we could. And you mentioned the gold and silver. And although we're retiring those brands and we do have new designations, partners do have a way through Partner Center to see where they are on the path to the new designation requirements. And if they're not meeting those new requirements, there is a path, a transition path where we will invest to help get them there. And then for partners that are currently gold and silver, they're not losing any benefits. There is no, nothing is going to be shut off or, or taken away, but we will be just focusing with partners to make sure that we can get them to those new designations again, just to drive clarity and, and trust with our customers. I believe moving away from the tiered approach and more towards a scorecard type approach to doing business together. I do believe that it's driving the right behavior as opposed to yeah. the steering model. What what does a bronze mean? Do I do I really want to be a bronze player? That's, right. That's right. Right. <laughs> so, so there was another area. I, I spent a lot of time in the ISV community. I think that you did a great job of laying the groundwork as to how this is changing and how it ISVs can participate and grow their business. We talked about industry solutions, but another very big announcement was around marketplaces, right? And I believe that Mark, I've had Jake Swenson on the podcast. I've had the folks from Tackle.io here on the podcast. And I am a firm believer that this digitization that we have been seeing in our world, like click, try, buy, and we're moving this way from a co-selling perspective as well. And I again, I've been both at Microsoft and I've been at ISVs where it was it, co-selling's hard. I have to send out, a, I have to send a bid out to a client. They have to accept my proposal. We have to turn on the technology on both sides, and then we have Partner Center trying to drive all the connection points. And you guys do a great job with doing that. But the marketplaces streamline, simplify, and it becomes that digital token that the client can then go and transact and then go live with software. Why do ISV partners need to have a clear marketplace strategy? It is the only way, I will say, for us to truly scale with our partners. 
And so if you think of the millions of customers that Microsoft has today or customers that are leveraging Microsoft technology, when you're published in the commercial marketplace, you get access to all of those customers. And we are making investments in marketing all of the solutions that are in the marketplace. So first, it's a way to make sure you're getting access to that customer funnel. Then if you look at our partner ecosystem, there's over 90,000 partners in the solution provider program. And one of the biggest feedbacks and requests we get from the partner ecosystem is help us do more partner to partner. Because as you say, everybody is a digital is a digital business now. And just the acceleration that they've had to go through to meet their new customer expectations is requiring partnerships across the different types of partners that we've never seen before. And so being able to tap into that partner network through the commercial marketplace, whether that's through private offers, is just a massive opportunity for our partner ecosystem. And then finally, we have 35,000 field sellers, as you mentioned, the co-sell motion. This is a way for us to scale that co-sell motion and make sure that our partner solutions are getting front and center with our sales organization as they're going to meet with customers and, and solve their customer challenges and opportunities. So it's just a way for us to turn on those massive funnels that we have. Again, access to customers, access to partners, and then of course, access to the field sellers. Yeah, it is absolutely massive. And I think that a lot of organizations miss what you just said, right? The millions of customers, the 35,000 Microsoft sellers, and the millions, 400,000 Microsoft partners equates to something like 17 million feet on the street. That's right. Potential sellers for your organization, right? That's right. I'm so excited to welcome Athletic Greens as the latest sponsor to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Friends who know me well know I've made taking a green drink supplement part of my health ritual for over 20 years now. About five years ago, I added Athletic Greens, and now their product, AG1, has become my go-to green drink supplement. AG1 is packed with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens. It literally has replaced every vitamin in my cabinet. Athletic Greens is giving away a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with every new purchase. Check them out at athleticgreens.com forward slash Vince M. This is the ultimate guide to partnering. And I love to ask this question of all of my guests. What do you see? from the best of the best partnerships? Like what makes the great ones great? First, it's the ones that keep a two-way dialogue going with us. As you just highlighted, our partners are our feet on the street to reach all of our customers. And so having their feedback to help shape and guide a collective plan, whether that's product innovation right at the beginning of of an engineering cycle, if it's feedback on our go-to-market strategy and the incentives and the programs that we're putting in place, all of that is just so critical in order to keep evolving our strategy and how we support the partner ecosystem. So I would say that for me is, is number one. I think the second is partners that take the time to ask 
Microsoft's go-to-market, and, and I don't mean it to sound that they have to understand Microsoft's go-to-market. It's just the ones that do and invest and understand the language we use, whether it's solution plays, which is the binocular of how we activate the 35,000 sellers, understanding the different go-to-market investments we're making. It just helps them, I think, engage with all of our sellers around the world and also leverage the investment we're putting in market. There is an upfront investment around just wanting to understand the go-to-market and then how can we align their product truth against that go-to-market so we can do an accelerated joint go-to-market. I am in violent agreement with you on this. I truly believe that a locking arms means that we have decided on a joint vision that we are going to go after and do something and understanding each organization's wins and how the organization operates is super important. I always talk about like partners need to understand the Microsoft scorecard mm-hmm. and, yeah. and that the best partners like were the ones that actually showed up for our QBRs and they had my scorecard and they said how they attributed to the scorecard. It might be in a little bit of extreme, but it has to be on both sides. It has to be a two-way, as you said, a two-way partnership and dialogue with Microsoft. And you have to be deliberate in your engagement, which is what I think I heard you say. Yes. So I love what you have to say here. And we could talk for hours. I'm going to have you back. I'm just going to tell you right now, Julie, I want to have you back quarterly if we can do it, or at least semi-annually. I want to have you come back because there's so many exciting things coming out of your organization. And I believe partners need to hear from you as the leader of the go-to-market. And I'll call you the CMO of the partner organization, right? I mean, it's essentially what your role is for the organization. But I'd love to focus a little bit on the career journey, the personal and career journey. Vice president at Microsoft, it's a big deal. Congratulations. You have attained amazing success. I joined Microsoft actually from the partner ecosystem. So I have worked both in the the large account reseller area of the business. And also, I guess it was a combination of an ISV and services partner that we, as how we would talk about it today. And so I joined as an enterprise project, product marketing person that actually managed the partner ecosystem in the U S. So that was, that was 16 years ago. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So was there like a pivot point to your success? I would say a pivotal moment in my career is when I understood the importance of culture and how investing in culture and leadership can really help accelerate outcomes. I had the opportunity to still do have this so blessed to be able to to work with Dr. Mike Gervais. And Ah. when he introduced mindfulness, that just changed my world. The importance of really understanding who you are, what you stand for, understand when you're in flow, training my brain as a muscle, like I would train my physical self to stay healthy. And just that just opened up a whole new world for me. Things like focusing on what I can control instead of focusing on all the external things I can't control. It was just such a, an empowering place to be. Microsoft is a very fast-paced massive mission company. And so understanding the importance of recovery, the importance of sleep and moving well and drinking well and having those mindfulness moments to to be able to be at my best on a more consistent basis. It really not only changed my world at work, but it, it changed how I interact with my kids at home. So I think that for me is a huge theme. I think a second theme for me was gaining 
a number of experiences really helped round out my context. So being able to understand different disciplines across an organization, that was a moment for me to be able to start connecting this in a way that I could implement systems thinking. Those two things for me, I would say, were the the pivotal moments. And then I would say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not done. Like just having this ongoing, gosh, there's so much to learn. And especially at a place like Microsoft, you look at the breadth of portfolio and we sell to every type of customer on the planet. And just, again, the mission of empowering every person and organization on the planet to achieve more, I can think of a bigger mission to be associated with every day. Such an impactful mission. Mm-hmm. First of all, you mentioned Dr. Michael Gervais, which yeah. I love Mike. Yeah. He's, been on, he's been on the podcast twice. I hope to have him back. He's sort of like my Christmas present to everybody. Like I, oh, I schedule the podcast. True. In fact, I'm drinking Athletic Greens over here, which <laughs> is now a sponsor of Ultimate yes. Partnering. Thanks to Mike. But you mentioned mindfulness, which is just so key. And uh, having a personal philosophy, I, I won't put you on the spot and ask you to tell us yours unless you want to. Be generous and smile. Be generous and smile. I love that. I love that. That is, it's crisp. It's so crisp. And it's, it's you. It's you, Julie. <laughs> it's funny. I remember it's, it's, we, when we started doing that work on personal philosophies, you'd start writing out a paragraph and then classic Mike, okay, stand up and tell me your personal philosophy. And if you can't remember it, it's not, his whole thing was you've got to be authentic to yourself. And so I worked on that for a long time and it was actually Allison and I, we were on a plane coming back from somewhere and we finally got, yeah, be generous and smile feels right. And the way Mike said to check in on that, spend 30 days. And if you can take a picture of yourself once a day, living your personal philosophy, then you've got it right. And so the, I've had that personal philosophy for about five years. I do check in on it every year and go, is that, is that still where I'm at? And it, and it still just holds true for me, but it really does help me reground. If I am not living my personal philosophy, I'm off. I know I'm off. And you also talked about gaining experiences. What did that look like? So I've been very intentional in my career, wanting to make sure I'm getting as much context. I'm a very curious person. So the way I, I, I ask a lot of questions, I would say if there's one theme, anybody that's worked with me, that's probably one thing they would say is I'm just constantly asking questions. And so when I just, when I looked at my career at, within Microsoft, I had field experience and that was so important to be close to the customer, be close to the partners, understanding what it meant to be in service to my peers in the sales organization, that intensity around having that monthly, you talked about scorecarding. So that monthly accountability back to the business to make sure we were hitting our revenue targets, our scorecard targets, we were gaining share. So that was really great experience. I wanted to then understand how does a big enterprise like Microsoft actually operate. And so I moved out of the marketing discipline for about 18 months. So I was chief of staff for Allison Watson. And then I also ran the U.S. planning and operations. And that was when Judson just joined the company and he was was transforming everything, which was amazing for us. He really brought customer centricity to how we were going to go to market. It was less about what licensing type we were going to be selling. It was more about what problem we want to solve for our customers. So I went and did that for 18 months. And then I missed marketing because that's my discipline. I've always been in marketing. And I thought, well, I've done product marketing. What I'd really like to do is stay on this theme of where Judson's at on how can we solve our 
problems. And, and so I had the opportunity to run the CMO for the U.S. organization. And that was, again, all about bringing our portfolio of, of products together in a way that, that solved our customers' challenges. And then I got to go do all the functional alignment in marketing that's so fun, the social, digital events, all of that kind of good stuff. So, And then when I took a step back and said, well, I, I don't have global experience. So the way I always looked at my, my career was almost like on a pie chart and said, how can I gain experiences that will make me the best whole that I can be so that I can drive greater impact? And so that's when I moved from this the subsidiary into a, a corporate role and doing product marketing in a corporate environment is completely different than what you're doing in the field. So again, it was a tighter, it was the first time I was having a tight connection with engineering, for example. And then now I'm still in marketing discipline, but now I'm back in with my favorite audience, which is our partners. I guess my advice or as I reflect is you've got to be intentional on where you want to go, not from a title perspective or a money monetary perspective. It's what kind of leader do I want to be? And how can I make sure I'm as focused on the journey or the process as I am on the outcome and just being very purposeful because no one's going to manage your career for you. Was there a best piece of advice that you received? Yeah, I think it would be only you can be accountable for your career plan. You need to have drive clarity. You need to communicate it. And you need to ask for help where you need it. And that, that really resonated with me. Because again, going back to focus on what I can control, I can control that. Some really good points here. And by the way, we're really happy to have you back with partners. We really <laughs> really. Well, I'm really looking forward to actually getting out on the road and starting to do some more engagements as, as we're being able to do that. It's just so wonderful to, to get out from behind the screen and, and start doing some face-to-face -face engagements again. I can't wait till we're all together in person again. Mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. So if you could go back to yeah. your 23-year-old self, what would be your words of advice? I've got two teenagers in the house, so I think it's probably the same advice I'm trying to give them. I don't know whether they're listening. But this notion of showing up as your authentic self, it is so empowering and you do your best work. So having the confidence, I wish if I could go back, I would have said, bring your true self to work, bring your true self into the boardroom rather than trying to guess what you think people want you to be. I would say the second piece of advice is just be super passionate about what you do. I'm trying to, again, coach my kids around, don't pick a career because you think it's going to give you a certain lifestyle or a certain dollar amount. It's if you pick something you're passionate at and you have strong work ethic and you give it everything you have, the success will come. So I think those would be the two things, this authentic self and just really be passionate about what you do every day. So good. So important. So let's have a little fun. Okay. I, this is my favorite question. I love <laughs> this. Like you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite any three guests to this amazing dinner party. And you can host it anywhere you want, by the way. We could talk about that as well. But these guests are from the present or the past. Whom would you invite and why? First, I would invite my parents. I know that I'm going to lump them together as one guest. And I would invite them when they were early on in their partnership. So I would say in their 20s. I would love to have dinner with them when they were new in their relationship. I love that. I say that they're coming as one because my mother was 14 and my father was 16 when they met. And they are now, I think, celebrating their 55th wedding anniversary. I mean, I get the benefit of their mentorship every single day. But I would just love to go back and 
I think they would be just a tremendous amount of fun to hang out with in their twenties and just to be able to see how they are, they were visioning their life back then, because I would imagine just knowing them, they have lived the exact life that they, they put out for themselves. The second guest I would invite is Carrie Bradshaw, not Jessica Parker. I would want her to come as Carrie Bradshaw because I just love everything about that character. I'm a big Manola Bolanic fan, so I think she would just be wild fun to talk fashion and shoes. I bet. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> and then my final guest would be Prince. He's no longer with us, but if I could go back in time and be able to have him as a, as a dinner guest, I just think that combination of people would just be a ton of fun. Back there, no, I was just saying, going back to my personal philosophy of the smile component, I couldn't think of a group of people that that would be more fun to hang out with. It'd be a lot of dancing there. I'm going to have to bring a bottle of wine and come over, Julie, if that's totally. okay. <laughs> and you, know, you asked where I would host it, and I would host it here at my home. All the amazing restaurants that exist and all the amazing locations, I love hosting because I like spoiling people. And so if I could create an environment where those guests could come in and feel welcome and have fun. That would be my, my place where I would host it. So what song would you ask Prince to play? Oh, that's a good one. I would ask him to play, would I have to pick one? I would ask him to play Purple Rain. Purple and I know Rain. the most one of his, the, the dance side of things, but to me, Purple Rain is my favorite. I listen to it almost every day. Nice. And it is the song that anywhere I'm out and there's someone taking requests, it's the one I always request. There you go. Well, <laughs> Julie, you are just amazing. You have been such an amazing guest. It's been so much fun for me to reconnect with you today and bring your story and your message around partnering to our listeners. I'm so grateful for that. But for our listeners, hundreds of thousands of Microsoft partners out there, any final recommendations? on how they can achieve and optimize for success with Microsoft in 2023. I would really encourage partners to go and look at the content and inspire, particularly around industry, because it is so, so much momentum there. So watching the content and inspire will help partners understand the Microsoft go-to-market and the language. And that, as we talked about earlier, is so important. So that's how they can get a better understanding to align to the go-to-market. I would say from, again, from an industry perspective, when we put out public previews or ask for engagement to help co-design elements of our investments for partners, please take us up on it. And then finally, I can't leave without talking about Marketplace again. For all of our partners that have solutions that they're wanting to bring to market, please let's work together to get those on our Marketplace. Because again, it's just, it's our number one way that we can scale and go to market together. Such an exciting time. Julie, thank you for being such an amazing guest. Well, thank you so much for having me. I look forward to coming back. We're going to have to do it again soon. Yeah. And thank you for everything you do for our ecosystem. Really, it's, it's, it's amazing to have you as an advocate and a coach and a mentor for them. So we just really appreciate everything you're doing too. Thank you so much. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at Vince M at ultimate-partnerships.com.
Partnertap.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Partnertap, the partner ecosystem platform most trusted by enterprise. Drive more revenue with your partners and learn more at Partnertap.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.